recording. Just start recording so that Tim will not talk. Oh, should start a backup well, too. There we go. Yeah, that's a thing that we do that we well, haven't had to use in a while, but just in case. What? That I have to go. I have to go start a backup because I no, forgot. Oh, no, that we've had the to actually use the backups. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's Winston in the background. It is. It is Winston. <laughs> Through one of those podcasts, I guess. It's real, <laughs> you know, background noise. At least she's out in the garage doing, like, well, doing shit out there. And so Winston, like, she's usually the one that, like, keeps Winston quiet and occupied while we're recording. Mm, nice. Nice. Well, that's cool. Welcome back to Dance Robot Dance, everybody. Let's talk about dogs. <laughs> it's like I'm back in the hotel room, fucking Winston barking during the podcast. Yeah, yeah that's right. At least, at least he's not stalking the turtle anymore. That's right. I forgot about the po- the uh, the hotel room <laughs> era. The whole will they, won't they thing between Winston and the turtle. Yeah, the turtle. Yeah, that's true. We would watch him during the episodes and stuff. Will, will Winston eat the turtle? Turns out, no, he did not. Will, will the turtle eat Winston? Or vice versa. Yeah. I was kind of worried about Winston. Like, he sounds barky but he's he's a tiny little he's wimp a little, so he's a little dog yeah yeah so i think the turtle could have taken him either way uh this is episode 245 of this nonsense that we do <laughs> uh i'm mark and i'm here with my buddy tim hello an exhausted tim that is very much like in super pandemic burnout mode wonderful i guess we should just fuck this pig then eh? <laughs> i i tried like i listened to like the most upbeat of my picks for this week a bunch like before we start to try and get myself hyped up it made me more awake more awake less less sleepy let's say oh okay well i mean that's <laughs> better than nothing i guess that's all right we got so much news to talk about who knows what happens here you might fall asleep before we get through all this <laughs> there's just so much of it it's crazy know, some of it's pretty exciting though some of, some of it is some of it is horrific as per usual so let's just start with star wars fans i'll just be better oh, yeah. you, the wikipedia shit or whatever wikipedia and wikipedia. On, uh, the fandom site where like they keep all the wikis for various fandoms and shit yeah there's an issue where they were refusing to take down dead names of trans people and yeah, there was a couple mods in particular that yeah they, and, that they ended up canning and said nope you guys are gone so good yeah for them. To the point where, like, the company that runs, like, whatever it is, fandom, like, fa- yeah. not fandom is the, the company, had to step in and be like, all right, you guys are fucking out. Like, you can't yes. be the mods of the Star Wars thing you anymore. You guys are because- banned from this entire platform now. Yeah, so, like, you're done. I was like, just, can we just not be assholes? I guess that the answer is obviously no to that question, but, like, <laughs> uh, you think they'd be happier right now? They got a cast of Obi-Wan that looks pretty dope. It does look pretty good. I'm going to open the tab very slowly here <laughs> so that we can talk about it a little bit. But uh, yeah, there's a, a giant announcement this week for, of casting for the Disney Plus Obi-Wan Kenobi series that's dope as fuck. So Ewan McGregor obviously is in there. I was surprised Hayden Christensen coming back. That one's been rumored for a while. Yeah, uh, I've heard some stories about yeah. that, but like that's so, kind of cool. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see them like face off, you know, as as Darth and and old Obi-Wan. Uh, yeah, like they never do that standoff until like they get to the Death Star. So now they're gonna actually have uh, there's a confrontation in between. We're yeah. gonna, we're probably gonna see. That's cool. All right. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the cast is as follows: Moses Ingram. I don't know who's ed- playing anybody. I'm just naming names. No, point. they haven't. They haven't uh, announced any. Yeah, there's uh, no cast. Any, like no. Yeah, characters. they haven't even confirmed that Hayden Christensen is playing you know Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker. But like, 
Yeah. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> like, if you're going to get them to do that, why would you not? The only other ones on this list that people pretty much know who they're playing is uh, Joel Edgerton and Bonnie P.S. because they played Uncle Owen and, and uh, Aunt Beru in the prequel trilogy. Like, when Obi-Wan goes and drops off drops off Luke with them. That's the, the lady who played Aunt Beru in the prequel trilogy? Yeah, Bonnie P.S. Okay, I like him I recognize. I don't recognize her. Yeah. She doesn't look like she's 900 years old or whatever. I guess they had her made. They had her, they had her really made up. Either way, uh, Kumail Nanjiani is also in there. Indira Varma, uh, Rupert Friend. Indira Varma, people people will know from uh, Game of Thrones. She played one of the, the Sand Sisters. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was recognizing her from there. Soon Kang, Simone Kessel, which is an interesting name considering she's in a Star Wars thing. Yeah. Benny Safdie. I don't know who any of these people are or what else they've been in, but oh, it's a cool looking cast and it's very, very yeah. diverse, uh, both, uh, gender wise and, uh, and racially. So, yeah. So, I mean, is Kumal Nanjiani in everything now? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> like he's just like, the he's, Eternals. Yeah. he's got Eternals coming up and he's mm-hmm. got, now he's in star Wars. I guess once you're in at Disney, man, like ride that wave. Yeah. Just I mean, everything. They, they've, they did pretty well with bringing, Oh, what's her name? The uh, the woman that the comedian that was in Amy Sedaris uh, that was in uh, Mandalorian. So oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. can bring in a little bit more comedy here and there. Fine with me. Me Kamal's hilarious. So yeah. there is that. Yeah. So I'm like that. That show is going to happen at some point. Speaking of things that are not going to happen though, uh, switching gears over to Warner Brothers. Turns out Ava DuVernay's New Gods and James Wan's The Trench will not be moving forward at Warner Brothers. Yeah, just baffling at this point. The trench. I mean, the trench trench is not surprising at all. It it sounded like a fucking just weird left field kind of idea to begin with. Um, It's like some like minor and relatively recent Aquaman villains that they were going to make a whole fucking like horror kind of movie about with James Wan, who was one of the creators of Saw. Yeah, so that one sounded fucking weird. But the Ava DuVernay, uh, New Gods, I was really interested in. And yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely disappointed to hear that's going away. Yeah, that one has spawned another internet campaign, like a Twitter campaign. Yeah. To try and get it, like, re-greenlit or whatever. Yeah. I never thought I would I would see the day where Dark Side is, is a positive, like, hashtag. Oh, is that what they're that's using? That's what they're, they're using Dark Side is. Yeah, the, well, that, that was the... Like one of the big things that was like one of the, I guess, I don't know, one of the recurring themes in the Tom King, Mr. Miracle yeah. series. You, you ended up reading that, didn't you? Uh, the six issue thing I did. Yeah. It's 12 issues. Okay. Then I read the first six issues of it and never okay. finished it. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. And Tom King was, was writing it, which, so I don't know. I, I know we were just talking a couple days ago or maybe yesterday about like Tom King, maybe not having the best writing style for adaptation to live action. So I wonder that was your that opinion. I didn't could agree have with been you it. on that. Completely. No, I did. I did. Yes. That was my opinion. That was I, I don't, I don't know. I, it's just, you think Jeff John should sure. take over everything. And I'm also completely unsure about that. Cause <laughs> like, I mean, I love his green lantern run as much as, or the GSA and the green lantern run as much as the next guy. But like for a guy who's, you want to be in charge of the DC universe as a whole guy has no idea how to write Batman, which no, this is true. Uh, maybe if you're going to be a charge at DC, you should have like a general concept of how to write your most popular character. I love <laughs> Superman, Tim, but like that's number one. You know what I mean? 
It's like the guys on the Marvel side being like, oh, no, Wolverine's more popular than Spider-Man. No, fuckers. Spider-Man's the guy. That's why we wanted him back that bad. <laughs> yeah. Batman's more popular. But yeah, no, yes. It's, it's baffling and it's... It's nuts. And it sounds like a mess, right? Like DC just sounds... DC it's... film, Warner film or whatever. Yeah. just sounds like there's a lot of confusion going on behind the scenes right now. So. Yeah. We'll see if we'll see if the static shock uh, gets made next. Cause I mean, the, the thing that jumped out at me right away is like, Oh, Hey, two movies that were being made by like creators of color that you just axed. That's not a good fucking look given what's going on with Ray Fisher and Warner in the news recently well, as well. So I don't know. I don't know what the fuck DC is doing. When Michael B. Jordan shows back up in black Panther two, and you never hear about static shock again, you'll know what happened basically. Mm-hmm. So, Cause that's the rumor that was going around, but I mean, that's just Reddit. You know what I mean? You gotta yeah. take it, take your rumors with a grain of salt. Either way, in lighter news, though, we did get two Suicide Squad trailers. This movie looks fucking two fucking bonkers. Suicide trailers. This movie looks fantastic. I'm on board. Like I, I know it's it's just because it's James Gunn. Yeah. It looks this like it just looks like a good James Gunn movie. So I'm like, I don't it know, does, yeah. I'm in. It's got that vibe. Like the the first trailer had like a good needle drop in it that like really fit with the you know crazy shit going on in the background and everything. And like uh, I love, I love. Looks John. like he's having so much fucking fun. John Cena is having so John much Cena. fucking fun. I fucking love John Cena. Yeah, as whatever he's doing as Peacemaker, he <laughs> is killing it. That that uh, that bit about like eating an entire bag of dick or yeah bag of dicks or whatever. He was like. I, I would I would do it if if it was for liberty or whatever. <laughs> well, I, I like the one, he had a line in the new one from today that was something like, "Well, what are they talking about?" Oh, I had it in my head. And then oh, the pe- oh yeah yeah the the one where it's like uh, I love oh, peace. I would, get, I, love I, would peace. Kill, I would kill I would kill as many people as necessary in, a, in order to achieve it or some uh, shit like that. And he just sells it like John Cena is so serious, like so earnest in that in that delivery. Just great. In that fucking stupid ass costume too. Oh god, a costume's terrible. It looks it's like a giant a, dildo. It's such a he looks like a giant. Sex I mean, toy. We, it's I mean Jack Kirby did some great shit, but he oh, also did some shit like that. Oh yeah, I mean like the Orion <laughs> costume was kind of like the revision of this thing. I feel like because it's almost the same thing Mm -hmm. uh especially color wise and stuff but either way yeah that and there's uh yeah the exchange between is it quilt man or polka dot man or who like who's that Uh, guy supposed to be yeah not quilt man uh i think it is polka dot is it a polka dot man man or something like that yeah I don't, like I've seen him, he was in some Tom King shit I was reading last year. I remember that character, but that actor yeah. who is a DC like and Marvel alum who's been in both the Ant Man movies and the Dark Knight movies has been in everything and is hilarious with, with like just standing across from Idris Elba, like I can't wait to die or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was uh, Idris Elba saying we're all gonna die, and he said I says I hope so. Go oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I was on board. Yeah, and it looks like they're they're having fun with uh, King Shark and just playing him like a total fucking like idiot as well. And oh, stuff. I love it! I'm yeah. on board. I mean, King Shark's like my favorite character in that Harley Quinn cartoon too. Yeah, because he's in there and he's fantastic. They yeah. re- they've really done some nice things with King with, Shark uh, with Ron Funches voicing him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> solid. Oh, and and with fucking Starro as the yeah. what looks to be the main protagonist in yeah. that fucking movie too, like a huge like fucking. 20 story starfish that they're going to be fighting. Like that's just like suitably fucking James Gunn insanity. I like Peter Capaldi as the, as the thinker. thinker? Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm on board for this. Yeah. It's interesting. uh, Makeup job for sure on that. Yeah. No, I actually look good either way. Uh, We got 
giant confirmation that Black Adam will be on July 29th, 2022, as like Rock took over Times Square to do this. Oh, it must nice. cost a pretty penny to take over those screens for that Instagram <laughs> video that he put up. I don't know. Nobody's in fucking Times Square right now anyway. So that's true. Pro- I guess probably that's... going for that, that uh, screen real estate is probably cheaper than it usually is right now. That's true. But yeah, he took over all the screens in Times Square and like showed the, the lightning bolt and, you know, Black Adam is coming and gave nice. the date and stuff. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Speaking of things we got dates for, there it is. Uh, things we got dates for, Rick and Morty Season 5 trailer has hit and has given us a June 20th release date for the first episode. So that's Yay, awesome. Rick and, and Morty this summer when we'll still be fucking locked in doors. Well, we definitely will be. We're, I, yeah, we didn't really even say like we got locked down again today. Yeah, This is like number Tomorrow. eight and a half or Tomorrow something. Yeah. No, it's the emergency break, fucking Doug Ford. What an idiot. Can't fucking... Like, can't just fucking keep things straight. Is like, everybody... Nobody knows what the fuck's going on anymore. Because he just fucking changes shit every two weeks. Like, just fucking pick something and stick to it until it's actually working. For fuck's sakes, they, when you vote the brother of the former mayor <laughs> of Toronto... Crap. Of the crack uh, who was, smoking mayor of Toronto. Who was like smoking crack on video. And like, this is the guy you vote in as premier. Like, <sighs> but buck a beer, Mark. Buck a yeah. beer. Oh, that, never, hey, dude. that never fucking happened anyway. Dude, I know. Buck a beer. I was here. I was here for <laughs> it. You know what I mean? I was, I lived through that election and just like. <sighs> Anyways, there was some fun Voltron shit in that trailer, though. Uh, yes, there's tons of fucking everything shit in that trailer. As per usual, looks like it's mile a minute Rick and Morty. Yep. So I'm on board, obviously. At least we're not having to wait like a fucking two years for it like we did season four. That's true. Yeah, it's a little bit faster is kind of nice. Some quick little thingies here. Apparently the director of Godzilla vs. Kong, who we will be <laughs> talking about momentarily, is going to be making some Thundercats. Inexplicably. <laughs> Because he's decided it's time. There is an article up that will tell you why he thinks it's time for Thundercats to come back. I'm just baffled that Thundercats is back, period. So I'm like, I mean, He-Man's coming back. Everything's back. Transformers is on the air again. I guess, you know what? Just bring it all back. What other crappy shows? <laughs> Mask? What was that one? Mask? Yeah, yeah, bring Mask. that back, too. Yeah, probably. Yeah. There's all kinds uh, of crap. The one, the one with the fucking like cyborg dinosaurs and shit. We should probably bring that one back, too. I don't even know what you're talking about, but sure. Fuck. I remember awesome. there's like people riding dinosaurs and stuff. I remember those toys I, were insane. Like it was like a dinosaur that had like a fucking gun harness on it and shit. That sounds dope. <laughs> Let's go back to the eighties and nineties. They had better toys back then, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, all those fucking shows were like only made to sell toys. Works for me, honestly. But yeah, I mean that, I don't know. There's a, there were a bunch of like fucking like dudes our age that, because there was Thundercats series that was sort of like in the cartoony style of like the new Shira yeah. series or whatever. And like all the dudes our age were like, this is bullshit. This is stupid. Like, why are people making this? Like, because it's not fucking for you, 40-year-old dude. Yeah. And like, honestly, <laughs> go back and watch the original. It's probably <laughs> exactly. shit. Like, it's yeah, probably exactly. just as bad as this stuff is. <laughs> I bet you this stu- new stuff is better written than that stuff. Because it's like, it's written with like, 
maybe actually like education <laughs> stuff in mind as opposed to just shilling fucking toys at kids yeah. like those ones were. I guarantee you like everybody has like the opening sequence of Thundercats in mind, which, you know, that that's what they reminisce about. They're like, oh, man, remember how good that animation was and shit like yeah, that? Yeah, they spent a and fortune then, on. Yeah, on the like, opening. A good anime house. To <laughs> exactly. Do. And yeah. then you sit down and watch the actual episode. And you're like. This is fucking garbage. Yeah, it's like it's like sub South Korea. It's like Afghanistan animation. Like <laughs> exactly. They had, they had like fucking two <laughs> dudes like just fuck, yeah. do this whole fucking episode. <laughs> yeah, it did it in Flash, but like a ten year old version of Flash. You know what I mean? <laughs> Flash, except it's actually just like moving the animation cells under the camera. Literally, yeah. <laughs> fucking horrific. Anyway, yeah. So that I mean. I don't know. We'll see if this goes anywhere. It's the same shit all the time. Like it may or may not happen <laughs> one way or the other. Speaking of baffling fucking things that are happening in this universe. I want out of this timeline, by the way, uh, game of Thrones is getting a Broadway show. The dipshit's <laughs> taking the time to write himself oh, as opposed Jesus. to finish writing the books. So like, apparently George R. R. Martin's actually writing this too. And I'm just like, you're going to catch COVID and die. You old bastard before you finish those books. I'm, I feel, you know who I feel bad for? I feel bad for the book fans of Game of Thrones who have had everything ruined for them. You know what I mean? Everything's fucking ruined for them and they're never going to get these books. Like they're just never gonna they're fucking gonna get, get them, these. but like no, it's, it, no, what's gonna it's gonna be a fucking Tolkien situation. It's like no, he's it's like gonna he's be gonna a die. Dune situation. Yeah, 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 he's gonna fucking die, and then some. Like yeah. he's already some told idiot. told the treatment to other people, yeah. and like they're gonna piece together something. Like you know, he's gonna like appoint somebody to finish it, and they'll like <sighs> finish it. You know, using his notes and and what he's written so far, or some shit like that. Because yeah, I mean, it just fucking goes on and on and on. And I can't say yeah. I blame like the dudes under so much fucking pressure from fans, right? Like, you know, especially the fans that didn't like the way that the series ended. Like now all those fans are being like, well, the books will save us. And now he's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, especially because like that's his that was what he told them was the end. So like that's his ending. You know, yeah. like that's what we were told was his ending yeah. ages ago. So like, is he I don't know. All I know is like, do we need a broad Game of Thrones Broadway musical? I don't fucking know. I did see Lord of the Rings when it had like a, a musical version. That was interesting. I saw that in Toronto way back when. But uh, yeah, I don't fucking know. I mean, it is. I don't know if it's if, if it's like just a drama, then I could see it being kind of interesting. Like that sort of like palace intrigue shit. I could see kind of playing interesting on like on a stage. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not here for this at all. <laughs> but like Game of Th- I'm over Game of Thrones and like musicals not my thing. So that's cool. <laughs> if they yeah, if they do actually like legit make it a musical, it will be fucking baffling. Oh. Uh, Mortal Kombat and Venom have both been moved back a week each. That's the last two news stories. Oh, no, I have one more. Sorry, I missed something. Uh yeah, but so Mortal Kombat will be out on April 23rd. I guess it was supposed to be out uh I'm assuming that will stay the 16th. Okay. I don't know. And then the same for Venom was it's coming out on the 24th now. Yeah. I mean, I would rather watch almost anything else other than Venom, <laughs> Venom too. including Mortal Kombat. So I'll probably watch Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Last thing, Tim, sadly, American Gods has been killed. Stars canceled it at season I'm not, three. I'm not really surprised. No, nobody's surprised. It, yeah, it was kind of falling apart. It feels like at the end there. So he said I, the third season like did recover somewhat. It wasn't good as season one was, but they're now talking about like maybe doing a TV movie or something like that just to finish up because it did. As I mentioned, I think last week it did fucking end on a cliffhanger. So 
I'll watch a fucking movie if they use it to clean it up. But like, I'm not really, I'm not really here like clamoring for like three more seasons of this or anything. Fair enough. Cause uh, you ain't getting it. Uh, it looks like it's been canceled, which yay. Eh. There you go. Uh, that's it. So uh, do you have anything you want to pick up? Did I miss anything? There was so much. You want to talk about your boy Jensen finally getting to be Batman? Oh, shit. I forgot about that. I, didn't say, I, did, I wrote the news yesterday. That like, that came out today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the next DC animated movie is going to be, I think they're doing, oh, crap. It's Long Halloween. Long Two Halloween. Part. That's the one. Woo. Long Halloween. Yeah. It's two parts they're doing? Yeah, I think so. Oh, cool. And Jensen Ackles has been cast as Batman, which is cool because he played Red Hood in... Oh, did he voice Red Hood in one of the animated... Under the Red Hood. The the original Under the Red Hood uh, was Bruce Greenwood, I believe, as Batman, and Jensen Ackles as Jason Todd slash Red Hood. That's cool. And I know he's been, you know, kind of, you know, campaigning to play Batman at some point. He would be an excellent, like, if they were going to do an HBO series and just, like, full-on cast of batman mm-hmm. and just i would just cast jensen ackles without questioning it too much probably because he's got like he's got the chin for it yeah and like he obviously like he does his own stunts he can do that like he can get into the shit kind of thing stuff because he did 15 years of basically flinging himself out of a car constantly for supernatural so yeah he's just looking forward to doing more of that in a bat suit <laughs> yeah I, don't know, I would do it. I would watch it, but uh, no, I'll definitely I'm in for this animated long Halloween take because it seems like something that would transfer pretty well. I mean, Tim I Sale, okay. uh, yeah. Tim Sale uh, drawings tr- seem to generally transfer pretty well into an animated uh, format. Yeah. As long as they spend the money and like really make it look like that, that grimy Tim Sale, like mm-hmm. really get into it as opposed to doing the cleaner look for it. Like it would be cool if they would spend the money and just like made it look like long Halloween animated because that is it's got a look he's got a look to his gotham that is yeah there's not really anybody else like tim sales gotham like yeah. when he does it like he's got his own style to it and it's all kind of tim burtony and gross but it works so i don't know i'm on board there you go it's geek of the week time tim geek of the week so this is the part of the podcast where we talk about the nerdiest thing we did this week. I had a lot of shit this week, actually. So <laughs> what have you been up to? Uh, my Geek of the Week, actually, the day that we recorded last week was uh, Tolkien Reading Day. So after we finished recording, I started, or I uh, not started, I continued reading The Silmarillion. I'm like, I don't know, two thirds of the way through getting through very, very slowly because it's super fucking dense and it's not, you know, what I'm primarily reading kind of thing. Yeah, so March 25th is Tolkien Reading Day. It is the anniversary of the day that Frodo throws the ring into Mount Doom, which like ends the Third Age of Middle-earth. So I read the story of, for anybody that's read the Silmarillion, Turin Turambar, who is the biggest fuck-up in Middle-earth. It's dude, like, spoiler alert, if you haven't read this seven or, what, 60-year-old, 50-year-old book or something like that, accidentally kills his best friend, marries his sister, again, by accident, not knowing it's his sister, and impregnates her, and then dies by getting his hand melted off by the blood of a dragon. To be fair, he kills the dragon, but then dies because the fucking, like, poison dragon blood, like, melts his hand off, and... And that's only like half of the shit that he fucking gets into. (laughs) 
I can't wait to see the movie of that by Peter <laughs> Jackson. Yeah, that's I mean, that's one of those things that like if the Silmarillion ever gets adapted, that would be one of the like this story would be interesting to see adapted for a number of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward <laughs> to the Peter Jackson adaptation of that. It'll be on HBO Max in a couple of years, guys. Don't so just <laughs> just wait. No, wait, who has that shit? Amazon Prime. Amazon. Sorry, it'll be on Amazon. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Amazon. Yeah. They're, That's well, they, they lost their Sauron a couple of weeks ago or something like that. The guy that was playing Sauron left the production. So that production is seeing some concerning things happening right now. Oh, the Amazon Prime, like Lord of the Rings yeah. second age show you guys are nobody's excited for? Yeah. That one. Dope. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, for me. So I watched a bunch of shit. Or I watched two things this week that I kind of want to talk about. But like, so I watched Godzilla versus Kong last night. And it is the purest schlock that you can get into your eyeballs. Isn't that basically like all kaiju shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's so many humans. It's got Transformers disease to me where it's just like, why are these humans in my Transformers shit? Like, why are these humans in my uh, Godzilla shit? So it's just one. And now it's like, because they've included, it's three groups of humans now, right? Because usually it's two groups. It's like the good humans and the bad humans. And then like the the kaiju or whatever, kind of like around them. (laughs) Now it's... the good humans who are connected to Kong and the good humans who are connected to Godzilla and then like bad humans who are, you know, kind of adjacent to everybody. So now you've got three groups of humans that you have to follow around and get the plot for, as opposed to just like, can we just watch Kong and Godzilla hit each other? Yeah. Cause like, that's all I care about. Can I just have 90 minutes of them just fucking like duking it out and wrecking cities and shit. When you get to the point where you watch it though, like I was reminiscing about man of steel because Hong Kong does not exist at the end of this movie. <laughs> like they completely obliterate Hong Kong, like no human survivors kind of thing. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> so there's that. And then uh, I also watched Amazon Prime's Invincible. Like, have you been keeping up with Invincible? I did watch the first three episodes. Yeah, the, the, did you? Dropped yeah. It once. Yeah, it was uh, holy shit. That was that was a lot. I mean, you kind of prepared me for it because I remember you telling me about the series. And like how fucking bonkers and gory and shit like that it was. Yeah. So like I was ex- I was definitely expecting the gore. I just didn't. I wasn't seeing. Like, I didn't know they were gonna. Gore. Yeah, I didn't. wasn't I wasn't sure like how gory they were gonna get until that last like. Well, I mean, fuck. Like Kirkman is usually pretty good at making sure that adaptations of his work are faithful, at least in spirit and tone, kind of thing. Like yeah. Walking Dead feels like it came off the fucking pages of the comic. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. I was just I was just wondering if they were going to kind of soften it up to make it a little bit more family friendly, and they have not <laughs> no. at all. At, like you cannot watch the show with your kids <laughs> at is, all. This is the platform that made the boys. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like it feels completely at home as like uh, a brother a show to piece. the boys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And Invincible and the boys kind of are. They're both image comics that have a lot of commentary on like modern superhero tropes and that kind of thing. Yeah. Like. Invincible comments very hard on like how all modern superhero tropes work. So yeah, no, I like the like I was and blown it, away, yeah, blown the fuck away on by everything. The only thing I didn't like was the guy who's voicing the CIA like head honcho Cecil. I don't mm-hmm. like it's Walter Goggins who okay. I like, but I don't think he fits the role properly. It should be I think they should have yeah. got Hamill to do a more gravelly like angry old man voice and that would have been perfect as opposed to just having him be the fucking tailor yeah like oh cecil lacks gravitas to me and i was like that's unfortunate but other than that everybody else has been really good i love jk simmons omni man like he's kind of terrifying and uh 
Was it Brie Larson? No, not Brie Larson. Oh, it's uh, Gillian Jacobs. Gillian is, Jacobs. Uh, yeah. Adam Eve. Yeah, yeah, yeah I am. To- I, and like, I'm uh, completely on board to fall in love with her for the third time now because it'll be like, like Adam Eve's fantastic in the comics. I love Gillian. Like, I love Britta, even <laughs> though like she falls apart by the end of the show. And then like, yeah, no, her is no, Adam it's Eve. A, it's a solid perfectly. ass. Yeah, it's a solid cast. Fucking is voice fantastic. Cast. Yeah. yeah, so. Uh, the animation's really good. It's have been holding up quite well. Like it, has, it doesn't yeah. look cheap. Like it looks like it looks like the DC movies, but we're getting it on the DC animated movies, but we're getting it on TV. So yeah. like, and they're actually spending a little bit more money. Like things are a little bit tighter. So I'm like, I'm having a good time just watching it as an animated show too. Yeah, Invincible has just been like, I was so happy with the first three hours when I sat down to watch the first chunk. I was I couldn't believe it. I was <laughs> like, they they did it. They translated this comic to like, yeah. I was surprised that they were doing it like in, in like full like you know forty five minute episodes kind of thing. For you don't get that in animation very no, you often. Like you don't get six fucking issues of comic per mm-hmm. like like chunk of uh, animated series, and it's like it's it's fun. Invincible is very bouncy too. Like you're going from place to place very quickly. Like you're not in any scene for very long unless it's like very traumatic like you need to be in that scene for very long it moves really fast mm. all the time so i don't know i'm on board just give me more just put a raid in my eyeballs i love it i was having such a good time with it i'm just wondering when one of these like sort of anti-hero like or you know like grim superhero stories grim, kind grim of superhero stories yeah like the more like for sort of sarcastic and commentary kind of superhero stories are gonna do a knockoff fucking like avengers instead of just doing a knockoff justice league they well see with invincible because it's image like they go back and forth like yeah they did justice league to start but it becomes the avengers kind of as you go oh, yeah. along yeah and then they, so, did, they did which a, makes yeah, actually i kind of think it works yeah but they've got a, yeah so they got the hellboy knockoff there but but it makes sense to me like if you do you're gonna have the justice league be the original super team and then it's replaced by the avengers mm. you know what i mean if you're gonna do like, yeah a that makes sense universe. i guess like the new version is yeah like because you've got the the robot dude it should be like iron man iron man yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of it. Kind of moves in that direction. Into a monster, and but it's it's also it's that version of the Guardians becomes very like liquid, like in terms of like it's like it's very fluid in terms of its membership, which is a very Mm -hmm. Avengers thing. Yeah, from the beginning, it's just constantly changing members all the time. Oh, constantly, like from like from their second issue, they were replacing people. So, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Like the Hulk left at the end of the first issue. You know what I mean? Like he's not whatever Bye. <laughs> yeah like revolving door for for ages so yeah no invincible i highly recommend that it should have been my geek cred actually i should have left that and it will be i guess i'm just gonna leave that as my geek cred also is <laughs> invincible because you all should be watching it it is it made this week go by with no dc stuff to watch a lot easier <laughs> so and then other than that that's i'm still looking for a ps5 have you found one yet Fuck my no life. it's been fucking like over two weeks now since there have been no drops, drops in canada yeah no drops like there was a um real 15th Canadian was the last one, one. I, the 15th and was it, the last one that i saw in, in on the, amazon uh, yeah yeah uh, that, that like i got a notification about yeah there was one on shoppers this week uh there was a drop on shopper but i completely missed it so like i don't know it's it's been fucking nuts uh all yeah. this stuff is still nuts i mean like, at least the ship got moved I don't know if we talked about that last week. Yeah. The ship was stuck <laughs> in the Suez Canal. That that yeah. got moved like right after we recorded <laughs> the episode. And I don't know. Shit, I can't. I can't find anything. So I don't know. Can't find a graphics card. Can't Maybe find. Maybe there was someone on that fucking boat. There was there was a rumor going around that there was a fucking like a, a pallet full of like thirty nineties on there that were <laughs> yeah. supposed to be coming to going to Europe. And I was like, well, that doesn't really help me, but it's still like thirty nineties <laughs> out in the wild kind of thing, which is cool. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Just a mess. What a fucking mess the world is right now. Either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe don't watch Godzilla if, unless you're in the mood for like Kaiju Smash and then Invincible 
get fucking on it is basically <laughs> where I'm at. Let's do meat of the episode. Meat of the episode. Pounding rhythmic meat. Um, that was nasty. Don't do that ever again. You liked it. Um, sure. <laughs> uh, so this is super self-indulgent. Couldn't I? I just I can't. I can't look at any more comic book stuff, guys. No more adaptations of comic book things. Uh, read a comic, watch anything ever again. Until next week. Until next week, where I have to watch Superman Returns. I don't even know how I'm going to get through it. I don't like. I don't know. I don't understand how it's going to work. <laughs> so we wanted to do something else. And after like me not knowing what to do for four days, Tim was like, "Let's just do the thing where you said about doing talking about rhythm sections." And I was like, "Oh, all right, we can do that. Let's do that." So we're going to uh, talk about our favorite rhythm sections in rock and roll. Probably it's like a Loudwire article, basically. Yeah, which is fine because <laughs> we need a break from reviewing, just reviewing things. Yeah. So, so here just, we go. Just something out of the ordinary. I just think it's funny too because like we are kind of a rhythm section that has never actually picked up yeah, instruments exactly. in the same room. Tim <laughs> plays bass. I don't know how long he's been playing bass, uh, but I've been playing drums since I was like high school. So yeah, same here. Like I I took up uh, bass when I was in like grade ten, kind of thing. Grade nine, I think. Yeah. So I've been playing for fuck for twenty plus years at this point. I I don't play much these days, but like I still have it, and I like set it back up downstairs. I play double bass. I play double bass in like fucking symphonies and shit and. Fancy boy, fancy yeah. boy. Yeah, no. Uh, if if my arm weren't falling apart from uh, like carpal tunnel and whatever, I I'll, also I've got whatever RSI I've got going on in my elbow. What is that tennis elbow? I think they call it. Either way, do you have your kit set up uh, right? It's actually I've got a, I've got a good chunk of it set up here. Yeah, my mm-hmm. kit's gotten big like over the years. So <laughs> yeah, I like my I like I like a lot of space to play. So uh, I've got a, I've got a chunk of it set up right now that I can yeah. fiddle around with when I am. Like my my elbow it doesn't feel like it's falling off. Basically, I can like oh yeah, I can sit down and play, yay! Yeah. So, and this has just been one of those things that like with the the music streams and shit that I've been doing more recently that has come up a couple of times, right? Yeah, so. well, it's just one of those things that we talk about all the time because it's like when I listen to music, it's kind of like what I listen to is the rhythm section first. I drive Paul nuts, and if you go <laughs> back to Paul and I's old podcast, the side A side B, you could tell we just listen to music completely differently because he just wants to talk <laughs> about lyrics. It yeah. is all about the lyrics to him, and I was like. There's a band back there working their balls off, Paul. Let's talk Some, about the let's, Sometimes there's a band back well, there working their balls off. Well, with me, <laughs> so, with sometimes, me. like with fucking Joanna Newsom, there's well, yeah. a harp that is getting its no. ass picked off, and that's about it. Yeah, there is that. I mean, for the stuff that I would pick, generally speaking, there's a band behind them, like working their ass off. So, we, I, yeah, I just thought we could do this. And like, I don't know, how, how did you do your like choices and stuff? So, is it more like your favorites, or so? Was it- I went to for start. I went specifically for like bands or groups that specifically had the same rhythm section over like a long span of output like yeah. not ones that had like kind of revolving doors or whatever like i almost thought about putting sloan on my list because they do have some good like bass riffs and shit like that but like it's it they're all multi-instrumentalists so like the rhythm section changes like fucking four times on an album right yeah because they switch up they even switch up live don't they a yeah. lot like when they're playing and stuff yeah so. yeah like they all have kind of like the primary instrument that they play yeah. but they're also always switching and i also like didn't want to like get into the weeds in terms of like session musicians who like backed a bunch of like great bands like the wrecking crew or like the classic 
like Motown rhythm section and shit like that. Yeah, that was then, one of those ones where I was like, if I started getting into the listing, that's that's just the episode we're gonna be talking about this Motown shit for like an <laughs> hour and a half because there's just so many like ultra talented guys. Some of them are still working today. Yeah, that are like some of the best like drummers and bass players like you've ever heard in your life. But like yeah. you know, I have no idea who they are. So. Yeah, like or like the Wrecking Crew who like backed yeah. like the fucking Beach Boys and like all kinds of those classic rock uh, artists and shit like that. So to me, I was like looking for. My like sort of in my head definition of a good rhythm section is like, you know, I mean, just drum and bass, but like a couple of guys that can or girls that can lock the beat down while also like showing some style and musicality know when to stay in the background. But when they do get the opportunity to like show off and shine, they fucking bring it hard and solos and bridges and shit like that. So like a good solid rhythm section gives the singer and the lead guitarist, I would say like when they are locking down that beat are giving the singer and the lead guitarist, the freedom to really like go nuts without the music sounding like shit. Because if you had like a singer and a, like a lead guitarist, just like fucking going crazy and the bass player and, and drums are just like fucking loose and sloppy. It, the whole fucking thing is just going to sound like trash. Yeah. Agreed. Can't argue with any of that. That is all a hundred percent accurate to <laughs> my views as from the world as a drummer. The one thing that I found too when I was putting my list together was that a lot of my like sort of long list were either like trios or at the very least bands where there's only three instrumentalists, like where the rhythm section has to carry more of the weight than in like a four or five or more piece band, right? Yeah, uh, I, I come and go back and forth. But yeah, most of my favorite rhythm sections are generally like it's one guitar player and then like just the two guys, like the drummer and the bass player. So like mm-hmm. your tools and like your Led Zeppelins kind of thing. Uh, where you have that setup where like the lead guy is just the lead guy and there's no extra guitar player. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, those are more my kind of things. And yeah, it forces the drummer and the bass player to fill out more of the sound, which means they're doing more creative work in mm-hmm. the back end, which usually means your drummer has to be better. And they're more exposed, like, right? Yeah. Because they yeah. don't have as much covering them up. Yeah. Which means you have to be better at drums than just, I can keep four on the floor and that's it. Like you got to have some, you know, there's something to be said for four on the floor, but like, you got to be able to do it with some fucking style in order to get, yeah, you can't be Charlie Watts. You know what I mean? If you keep, <laughs> if you're just sitting there flat four on the floor, or you're going to bring the shit out of everybody. Well, ring, see Ringo had some style, but like he, did. he wouldn't like the, the Beatles will never be on this list for me as much as I like. And I, and like, I looked up like after I put my list together, I like looked up a couple lists uh, mm-hmm. that, that like places had made just to make sure that like, I, I wasn't missing anything like glaringly obvious. And like the Beatles were on a couple of them. And I was like, yeah, McCartney, but like Ringo was fine, but I don't know that I'd call him like a stellar bit. Ringo was like, and that's, I guess we, this is the best time to have this fucking conversation. Ringo, because like when else are we going to talk about, just rhythm sections unless we do the Beatles (laughs) and just yammer about them. But like he was always completely serviceable, but like, he's never, he's not great. He's He's not standing. He's never standout. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's not Neil Peart. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, but you wouldn't want that guy in the Beatles either. Right. Like you don't, they don't need, Danny Carey or yeah, the Beatles was always more of like an ensemble act overall. And and they all did their parts within that ensemble very well. And they work together beautifully, but like there's no instrumentals that really stand out. Like their, their thing was always like amazing songwriting more than melodies, man. It's all about the melodies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Ringo, you know, drummers, what are you going to (laughs) do? 
whiny stuff. Yeah, so for me, like, I, there's some that, like, it's just too obvious that I was kind of, that was the other thing I was trying to avoid was just like, if I say Led Zeppelin, that's like the most. Like, yeah, that's on my first thing. one. <laughs> yeah, because like, like, I didn't want to do that because like, then it's just like, I just say Tool right after that. And then I'm like, then we're done. That's basically <laughs> it for me, really. When it comes to rhythm sections, like you see, like, oh, we got Zeppelin and Tool. Okay, that kind of covers all of my bases mostly. So, like, we can get out now. We're done. It's over. So, I didn't want to do that kind of thing. And, like, yeah, I grew up on Black Sabbath, but, like, I'm not a huge Aussie fan. So, yeah, again, like, yeah. Sabbath like, was like on it. some of those lists, but I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess the bass and drums are okay there, but, like, no, they're they never, good. They never blew me away. Yeah, they're good, but, like, I don't know. Black Sabbath as a whole was never, like, my favorite thing in the world. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely like a singles guy with uh, with Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, like, me too. I, yeah, like I love fucking Iron Man. I love like uh, yeah. War Pigs and shit like that. But yeah, all right. Well, let's get into it then. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you name the first pair of guys you want to talk let's just, about? Here? Let's just fucking get Zeppelin out of the just way. Talking then. to Zeppelin. Just talking <laughs> yeah. about Zeppelin. Oh, I mean, no, yeah. John, what do you say about John Paul Jones, <laughs> Jones and John Bonham? And John fucking Bonham. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> those those two could hold a fucking beat like crazy, even when Zeppelin songs have like multiple like tempo changes, weird like fucking time to singer changes and shit like that. Yeah. But like the the thing that always blows me away about them is like, yes, they were technically good, but they always were able to play with massive amounts of like soul and emotion and flair as well. And and again, like I said earlier, like they they're responsible for a lot of the sound space, the soundscape. Right. So like they put out a massive amount of sound for being two thirds of a three instrument band. Whenever anybody asks me, like, how big a difference it can actually make to a band removing, like changing the drummer out, I always say, go listen to somebody else play Led Zeppelin songs. (laughs) Anybody doesn't matter who it is. Listen to somebody else play John Bonham drum parts. And unless they are like legit. 100% 100% just trying to replicate what he did and usually you it can't. just doesn't capture it it, does, it, you, it never feels right right it like, feels it feels like mechanical and sterile and shit like that whereas like yeah. his drums and John Paul Jones bass just felt like organic felt like if they they just gel feel so well right together. they yeah. felt right yeah. yeah so like that this is a very like Zeppelin's like the ultimate feel band sometimes yeah. it's just and like as, they, it feels good yeah and as like as a bass player fucking like john paul jones had some amazing bass licks uh all over the place in zeppelin songs like the the like sort of slow groovy one in like what is and what never shall be yeah and then I mean, uh, and then the really poppy one uh in ramble on as well i mean these like there's stuff like yeah i mean ramble on's fantastic for drums and bass drums too yeah thinking about like Achilles last stand, like the two of them just trying to trip each oh, other yeah. up in like seven, eight or whatever the fuck that song's supposed to be in. Yeah. Like, I don't know what time signature it is. And it just sounds like they're trying to go faster than each other the whole yeah. fucking time. <laughs> it just sounds like they're having fun in the studio also. So like, I, I always like those kinds of tracks. Yeah. No, there's that. And like, have you ever listened to them crooked vultures? Yeah. Here and there. Yeah. You should uh, go back. That's all John Paul Jones. So John, them crooked vultures was a super group that formed like, I think it's 2009. That record came out or 2011, somewhere yeah. in there, but it was, Josh Homme is the lead singer and guitarist with uh, Alan. I think it's Alan Johannes, but I'm not sure exactly who's in there with them. But it's Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, Dave Grohl on drums, and then Ooh. John Paul Jones as the bass player in that band. And it is just, I can listen to John Paul Jones and John Bonham play together all day. I could also listen to fucking Dave Grohl play drums with John Paul Jones all day. Like, yeah. And I've got a few so. solo tracks from John Paul Jones as well. And his oh, solo yeah, stuff was always really uh, good as well. I mean, yeah. uh, fucking Bonham didn't make it to the point where he got to do much solo work, but uh, <laughs> no, sadly, Paul, the rest of, of uh, Zeppelin survived. Yeah. Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, and I mean, Bonham was just a fucking animal of a drummer. You know, he was just, just fucking crazy. I watch those bootlegs still. Like, I still, you still learn stuff from those, from him, like, years later. You, you, like, you actually see him get to do it, and you're like, oh, that's how he did it? Like, actually did it? That's yeah. different than how I would have, like, just heard it kind of thing. So that's weird. I always, like, yeah, I love John Bonham. I mean, everybody who plays drums, I think, and it is in our age bracket is going to be like, yeah, it doesn't matter who else you liked, like, growing up in the 90s. John Bonham is, like, where they stole all their shit from. And oh, yeah, so you exactly. just go back and end up stealing all that shit from him anyway. So, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah he's the original. In general, like, you know, everybody since then has pulled some influence from uh, you know yeah, them, 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 and like the Beatles and Beach Boys, pretty much are like the big three that rock yeah. has like sits on now. Yeah, yeah, the only, yeah. The only other band I can think of that like hits that that high is like the Who. Maybe is in that kind of conversation. Yeah, you got, at yeah. certain points, and then like later, the only other band I can think of later is U two, and that's my first one. Like that would be my rhythm section. Uh, if I want, if I was going to bring up one that wasn't Led Zeppelin, that is just in that kind of like big category, mm, and it's cheer. fun to talk about the uh, the rhythm section from U two because it means we don't have to talk about Bono, which is always you know what everybody starts off. Bono's going to show up about. and like be like, "Why, why aren't you talking about me?" Uh, because we love you, Bono, but you know Adam <laughs> Clayton and Larry Mullen, they deserve some you know time in the sea, time in the whatever basically like so my favorite album of all time is octung baby and that's why these guys are in my on my list because they just completely lock that fucking record down drums and bass like from the beginning of zoo station till the end of it you could go so there's a song on there called until the end of the world which is like my favorite u2 song and i think i've said this before but they are so fucking good together on that track that it's like if the first time i play with a new bass player if they don't know that song, I'm always a little bit disappointed in them. Cause I'm like, that's going to have to learn that song. Then. You have to learn it, like that. Anything from that album, that and mysterious ways are the two that like, if I can, if the bass player can play that song and we sound okay playing it together, then we're going to work out. Cause that's baseline to mysterious ways. Isn't bad. It's good. It's good. No, baseline, no, no. It's not particularly tough. It's not, it's not tough, but you have to be directly on my kick. Like yeah. that's the, the problem with the big thing with you too is that like it's like his drumming larry mullen is he's very martial he's all he's very martial right like he learned like drum you know like drum line style basically Mm -hmm. so his style is very like locked in on the time like very very like no lag back like the way you know bonham's kind of leans back into the pocket a little bit yeah and lets it kind of load none of that again like we're saying like you know the a good rhythm section gives your your leads freedom to do that kind of shit right yeah and so having larry mullen lock it down like just like you know, solid four on the floor all the time, basically. I mean, they, they trick it up, but U2 doesn't do anything too, too fancy. But it's Adam Clayton, like his dancing, rolling bass lines over top of that is where yeah. the money is. And like, he plays, he's so directly on the kick. Like, that's what I love, probably more in terms of like playing with somebody. But like, when you feel that between a bass player and a drummer, and like, the bass player is right on your kick, like on your kick paddle, like mm-hmm. that feels real fucking good. So, and that's what that's why these guys are the best fucking rhythm section in rock to me, like since Zeppelin basically is because they are just in sync. They must have their fucking heartbeats must be in fucking sync. They are <laughs> so like on top of each other. I remember their version of the uh, Mission Impossible theme from that first Mission Impossible movie. Like that fucking thing like charted like it. Yeah, it, it went yeah. it went pretty, uh, pretty crazy. See, that's why, you know, you're in the biggest band on the planet is when the rhythm section can fuck off and do a cover of an <laughs> instrumental and it can chart. And yeah. like when you listen to it, you're like, oh, yeah, I know why this charted, because these guys are fucking fantastic at their <laughs> exactly. jobs because this is tight. It's tight as shit. 
Well, they're just like, yeah, they're snare drum tight. It's crazy how good they are together. And like, we've, I, I've seen them live like a number of times. And like, you can't be that good a live band. And that's kind of another thing we didn't really talk about. Like, you can't be a good live band without a good rhythm section. Oh, yeah, for sure. There, there's falls. shit you can clean up in a studio. But yeah, if, if it if it doesn't hold up in live. Yeah. Yeah. If your rhythm sure. section doesn't hold up together live, then you're fucked. So like, U2's mm-hmm. rhythm section absolutely can hold down like with the best of them from like the beginning of rock and roll to the end like right now because these guys are just like locked in together i don't know i would i recommend uh baby for like the two of them together basically but there's tons of stuff uh in later albums where they get to like loosen up a little bit and play more drums and bassy kind of stuff and it's always worth checking out uh ignore bono as best you can if you have to i guess you know i I, (laughs) i still like bono singing i think he's a fucking he's one of the best singers that's ever graced rock and roll yeah i've never had i mean i know i know bono is a pretty divisive figure but i've never had an issue with his vocals really but uh you know i always take the u2 albums for like i learned how to play drums on those records basically also you know what i mean like that's the kind of stuff that i would like be playing along to because like acting baby was like it's such a fucking fantastic album and u2 covers always did well so you know gotta learn those parts eventually but yeah (laughs) Fantastic stuff. So what else do you want to talk about? What else we got here? Uh, I'm going to go into jazz, which I don't normally get to do. All right. Well, <laughs> that's fine. Because I was going to veer hard into metal. So like, we, we got <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go way off into the weeds and then maybe come back into the straight and narrow after this. Yeah, a little bit. Because, yeah, I don't get to talk about jazz much on the podcast. But like, I actually do listen to quite a bit of jazz, especially like older, like forties and fifties and sixties kind of jazz. So my next pick, I feel is... like my best friends are my grandparents. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I mean, that's where I got it from, right? Like both sets, both my sets of grandparents were super into uh, like swing and, you know, early jazz and shit like that. So um, this one, actually I got from my uh, papa, my mom's dad, which is the Oscar Peterson trio. Okay. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, the, it's kind of weird because, you know, we, jazz artists like are always bouncing around between like different lineups and their bands and shit like that. So it's hard sometimes to like pin down a rhythm section that you can associate with a certain. No, act. not really buddy rich. You just got to find the drummer and just yeah. follow the drummer. Around, basically <laughs> well, Elvin Jones and buddy rich are really easy to follow around if you're a jazz drummer guy. So, well, yeah, in this case, Oscar Peterson trio, like in its most famous incarnation was uh, Peterson on piano with Ray Brown on bass and Ed Thigpen on drums. Okay. And it was like yeah. all voc or all instrumentals no vocals like just you know just letting those instruments sing that lineup went for like seven years from like the late 50s through like 65 when which is when oscar peterson was like really at the height of his popularity and like creative output and i mean for anybody that's not really into jazz like the foundation of jazz whether you know it or not is like a good steady walking bass line and the ray brown was just fucking phenomenal at those but when he did have the chance to like play around and you know there's always like a few anytime you do a jazz album there's always at least a few tunes where you'll get like you know just a great drum solo a great bass solo a double bass solo and his double bass solos are just beautiful like technically impressive but they he makes it sound he's so fucking good that he makes it sound almost effortless yeah which is the real trick to jazz right like is you know these artists like know their shit know their fucking like music theory inside and out so much so that it just becomes instinctive and they can just put it out there and make it sound like it's not fucking like it's the easiest fucking thing in the world. Yeah. Jazz is a, jazz is a tricky beast. That's one of those things where like people have asked, like you've gone to like do jazz, like 
like at an open mic or anything like that like just go hang out i mean i i played in our like high school jazz band so i played like okay. a, a electric bass and double bass in that so like i had a little experience with it but it's yeah it's not easy yeah no uh, i've sat in like on just people like jamming basically and i'm like i feel like completely out of my depth and i've been playing for like 20 yeah. years like but i play rock it's, you know what i mean it's so, totally like, it's different completely fun. different yeah, it's a totally different animal. Uh, learning the jazz stuff's fun. And like, these are the kinds of albums, especially back because like jazz goes crazy eventually. And like, this kind of stuff's kind of classic, actually still has beat, kind of like you can still make sense of this as music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> jazz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is like really nicely, like, you know, it's not all improvisational kind of yes, thing. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not like, you know, the more experimental kind of jazz that like a lot of modern jazz maybe has become. You know, it's, it's very much still uh, rhythmic and melodic. And yeah. No, that's, so. I, yeah. I, I've been, I, delve very seldomly into jazz anymore <laughs> but i mean oscar peterson th- this version of the oscar peterson trio is just such good like great laid back jazz like lagging behind the beat just the right amount like that great swing on the uh, on the piano and on the drums and that kind of thing this was the lineup that oscar peterson recorded uh, his night train album with which is one of my favorites of his. So if you're looking for like an example of this rhythm section in, in action, um, night train, do you know the, like the night train? Yeah. Song. Like it's, it's one of those songs that like a lot of people probably know to hear it, but might not know its name. And it's not, yeah, it's not know, an original yeah, yeah. of his uh, it's no. a standard. Yeah. But it's, it's one of the songs that plays at the, uh, the dance in back to the future. Yeah, no, I can play it. Yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> like even on drums, it's tricky. I can play it though. Yeah. Uh, I, to, I learned it for some reason, and I don't remember anymore why. But I could, I could probably go sit down right now and play it over on the kit. It's over there. Yeah. But I mean that of, the that yeah. whole album is uh, yeah. just front to back. Like it's it is a lot of uh, covers, and but I mean that's what jazz is, right? Is like taking a standard and putting your own spin on it. And he had a lot of standards that sort of the versions that he did ended up becoming one of, if not the definitive kind of versions of those uh, songs and, and the rhythm section is a big reason why. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I should, uh, I feel like I diverted into progressive metal as an answer to not understanding jazz. Like that was where <laughs> I went instead. Like I need complicated and long, but that stuff lacks structure. <laughs> I need some, <laughs> like, I need some rhythmic structure here and there. Well, some, some jazz. Yeah. Lacks structure. Well, you got to find that. Like, like it, it's all to taste, right? Like you can go yeah. find your niche of jazz that is like, Oh, this is still very rhythmic. Like mm. stays and like the drummer doesn't do anything fancy. It's mostly the other guys doing the fancy stuff, but that lot, that helps me lock in when the drummer starts getting too improv. I'm like, all right, I I've lost, I've lost the thread. Lost here. the plot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't. If I can't keep the time anymore with the, the drummer kind of veering off on me, I'm like, I'm out. I'm done. I don't care. <laughs> like, what's the point? What are we doing here? This is chaos now. Damn it! Your job is to keep time. Either way, <laughs> yeah. I was like, totally. Like, what? Who do I talk about next? Because I have all just like a ton of metal bands that I was gonna throw at you. But like, let's talk about Helmet because I don't know. <laughs> it's a little bit different than what you were just talking about, and it's been in my head the last little while um so helmet's uh rhythm section is henry bogdan on bass and john stanier on drums who's also in a band now called battles which are quite popular with the kids oh, yeah, apparently. i've got some battle yeah. songs it's more like math rocky yes uh well stanier when you hear his drums you can understand the man is just like he is math rock personified like i feel like he is a click track that is also a drummer it's like he's a living click track yeah. Is basically how Stanier works. Uh, the only thing I have to recommend to everybody: just go listen to Milk Toast. Just go look it up on YouTube. 
when you hear how fucking locked into the groove these two guys get on that one track, that's that's what I want in music. That's 100% everything that I love about being in a band or whatever. Like the sound of the two of them locking in when the song kicks in is my favorite fucking thing in the world. The only thing I, I could, the only thing I like more than that's like a tool thing when they come back together and lock in again. That's that's my shit. But like if you get good lock in like this, whoo, whoo. <laughs> yeah i mean metal like and and i guess this would be more like, more alt, like alt, alt metal, metal. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well we'll get I, over sugar next my my next one's with sugar <laughs> so you know it's this this i can get a little bit more into like helmet and that sort of thing because i have that uh sort of more grungy side to to glom onto yeah. whereas like once you start getting into like the harder metal like there's some of it i can appreciate like especially where it's still pretty melodic but even when it gets really hard what did you think of that Gojira I sent you yesterday? Did you listen to it? <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 okay with that kind of stuff. Like, and I can always appreciate that at least on a technical level, if nothing yeah. else, because I can listen to it and be like, yeah, that's fucking good. Like these guys are fucking good at what they do, even yeah. if it's not something that like is something that I would listen to on a regular basis, kind of thing. Yeah, that Amazonia song has been like it, it just came out this year and it's just like fucking ruining my life. Like it's so catchy. <laughs> it just stuck in my head the last couple of days. So it's just funny because like I've got a, a song called Amazonia in my library that's like total fucking like new age, like Yeah, like, I was gonna say it's probably like super like soft, like ambient. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like like ambient yeah. new age. Like I think yeah. I, I heard it on like the fucking Sirius XM like spa station, which I would listen to like when I had a shit day at work kind of thing. <laughs> That'd be, that would be like, could you imagine typing that in and then getting that Gojira song instead? <laughs> oh man, this is a rough day. I need to listen to my favorite new age song. <laughs> song fucking pulls the paint off the gut, like strips the paint off the walls, like within 30 seconds of starting. Fantastic. I love it. But either way, yeah, Helmet, uh, I just kind of like rediscovered Helmet in the last little while. We've been talking about it on the podcast as I've been rediscovering them, but like... Uh, from 91 to 97, it was these two guys in the band, and that's kind of what their greatest hits. Like, that's what I recommend. Just go listen to the greatest hits. If any of Helmet works for you, just go listen to it and, like, just let that groove sink in. It's like drill press precision. It's crazy how good these guys are together. The rest of the band's fine. Paige Hamilton does his growly singing. He's, <laughs> like, basically his guitar does, is... Does his best uh, fucking Eddie Vedder impression. Barely. Like, it's, <laughs> it's even growlier than Eddie Vedder. Like, it's more metally than... Like it's like if Eddie was doing constant growling, that's basically what Paige Hamilton is kind of thing. <laughs> but like, and they don't like him and the other guitar player don't veer off from the rhythm very much either. Like these guys all kind of like to stay. They're very on top of each other when it comes to the click. Yeah. So like you're not getting too far. It's all groove kind of thing. I don't even know what else, how else to describe what Helmet does. It's just good groove rock metal kind of thing. The best fucking snare sound in like the history of fucking rock and roll on. <laughs> Uh, milk toast like it just sounds like that snare is going to come through your fucking thing and hit you in the head which is fantastic snare recording which is what you need like really the dynamics of recording a drum kit are very difficult yeah yeah and every once in a while you get that band that like you hear it and it's like oh shit that snare sounds like it's gonna kill me i'm on board and <laughs> that's uh standing your snare always sounds like it's tightened just a little bit too much like, it's got a little bit of that pingy ring to yeah. it. I, I mean, that's John Bonham's fucking snare, too, right? Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it's coming right out at you kind of thing. That's yeah, yeah. That really so. bright. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's so much technicality, more more for drums than for bass. But even with bass, like, there is certain aspects of it where, like, you need to be able to really dial in that sound and the tone mm. as well. And, I mean, that's just fucking, like, equalizer settings and, like, pedals and shit like that, right? And then yeah. that's tough to do and again it's it's way more exposed in like a, a three-piece or something like that than it is yeah. in like a bigger band 
Yeah. So uh, if you if you like want some like I don't know fucking brutal crunchy sounds, go listen to Helmet. It's fun times. I I I have the greatest hits basically recommended, um, but Milk Toast, Unsung, Iron Head, exactly what you wanted. Those are all four songs. That <laughs> I got some on me. I'm sorry. Ugh. Those are the three four songs that I would recommend. Go. It's just all big swinging grooves and it, mm. it's fun and I love. Just John Stanier on drums, like he's my new spirit animal this year. Like I started listening to him play, and or like when I started listening to Helmet, I was like, man, this guy's really good. And I'm pretty sure Abe Cunningham from the Deftones stole everything he learned from this guy. <laughs> like it's all the same stuff. And then I, I started listening to his stuff in Battles, and I was like, oh, oh, he's really, really good. Not just like good, but like really good. So, yeah. That was a fun discovery for me. It's fun. John Stanier, finally. So there you go. Helmet. I don't think I have any helmet songs, but I definitely have uh, some uh, battle songs. Do you have the Crow soundtrack? Uh, you would have at least one because the Milk Toast is on maybe. the Crow soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Maybe I do. I don't know. Yeah. So cool. I described their greatest hits, man. Like it's uh, 91 and 97. Uh, Stanier and Bogdan left after that. Bogdan disappeared into. I don't think he teaches or something like that now. And then uh, Stanier, yeah, he did a whole bunch of other shit, and then he ended up in battles, and that's kind of where he had found some, I guess, indie, like, underground kind of success since then. Helmet still tours with a bunch of other guys. Like, Paige Hamilton still does Helmet stuff, but it's not the same without Stanier back there. They need to find somebody who's a better impersonator of John Stanier, (laughs) which is tricky, because, yikes, like, just very, very good drummer, so. Nice. Yeah. So what's your next one? <laughs> Let's keep it maybe in the more, well, oh, proggy side. Uh, I'm going to go with Muse next. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so it's Chris Wollstenholm on bass and Dominic Howard on drums. And again, there's a fucking three piece. It's yep. just that, them, the two of them and Matt Howard. And they really just managed to get so much sound and like big fucking bombastic presence out of their instruments. And that makes up so much of Muse's like really signature sound. Yeah, I have. I've never been a huge Muse fan, but I've seen them live twice, and both times they blew me away. Oh, yeah, they're they're great fucking performers. Uh, the the problem is like all the I've I've never been inspired to go back to the albums after here. Like oh, like oh, I'll see them live and be like, man, they're so good live. And then like the albums, I'm like, eh, I'm not just not the mood. Nah. Oh man, I fucking love it. And in this case, this is a case where you know we were just talking about like how you need to really be like a master of production to be like a good bass player, good drummer. And uh, this is a case where like Chris Wilson home, he's, he's just a fucking chameleon in terms of his bass sound. He knows how, because his sound is making up so much, his, you know, bass is making up so much of the sound. Like he knows how to use pedals and different distortions and shit like that to get the exact sound that he wants to like half the time, you know, half the time, but like a lot of the time he's actually like, almost mimicking a rhythm guitar with his bass sound. Yeah. And again, because he, they're only a three piece. He's often like filling in that sound space that would traditionally be be filmed by a rhythm guitar. And yeah, like the drums are just fucking again, big and bold and like tons of fucking like Tom, Tom rolls and shit like that. And yeah, no, it's his, their stuff's fun. I've I've done some covers of Muse stuff and like learning the stuff was fun. It's a, they do some tricksy like uh, time change stuff. And some yeah, other stuff there. too. Like yeah. there's some proggy likeness to Muse. The weird radioheadness of his voice is what always kind of gets me. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, it, it, the sort of 
definition or whatever of muse that i always go back to is like radiohead versus queen kind of thing oh yeah i could see that i always thought radiohead versus rush like that's always get rush out of them too like yeah very proggy yeah kind they have of more thing. of that yeah they have they have a good amount of that proggy but but like i would say queen in terms of like the uh big like yeah, fucking massive showmanship and the operaticness yeah, of it yeah. yeah especially of matt howard's voice yeah, and and just so many good fucking bass riffs as well. And like the opening bass riff in Hysteria, the yeah. and then the drums come in and just fucking fill that sound really well. And like the drum, I would say, I don't know. I mean, I, I it, it's harder for me to judge on drums because I don't play drums. But like Dominic Howard is seems to be a f- like fine drummer technically. He doesn't seem to be like amazing. He's an upper tier kind of guy. Yeah. Like he okay. can he can go. Uh, I wouldn't like I wouldn't put him like. I wouldn't put him in that Neil Peart, Danny Carey kind of level, but like, yeah, close to it. I would put him in like a some I like Matt Cameron-y kind of space, like very, yeah. very good, but not quite like S tier fucking god level. Yeah. Dear God, where where are your cyborg appendages hidden? Kind of like <laughs> yeah. Randaller kind of guy. Yeah. So sorry, I keep calling uh, the lead singer Matt Howard, but it's not. It's fucking Matt Bellamy, and I always get his name wrong. And then, That's fine. I didn't even notice. I don't know Muse that well, unfortunately. So, <laughs> and then they're in terms of albums, like their first, well, not their first couple of albums, but like the first ones that kind of made it pretty big, which were uh, Showbiz and Absolution. Uh, the drums and that bass. Absolution, yeah, Absolution was a I huge love Absolution. record. Man. That yeah. album is amazing. And then Showbiz was the one they did before that in like '99, mm-hmm. um, which also has some really fucking good bangers on it that aren't quite as like. You know, they, they get more, I don't want to say bogged down because they really make it work, but like into more of the production and or overproduced. Well, it gets, it, it gets like bigger and grander as they go along. Yeah. You know? like yeah. Whereas it's like, it's like they're allowed to, yeah. It's like they're allowed to kind of like completely fulfill the, ver- like the vision they had for their sound. Yeah. Cause it's a very big sound that Muse yeah. has. So. Whereas, whereas showbiz is more like uh stripped down and, and kind of raw, but you can get a better feeling of like, they're just raw musical talent there. Whereas once you get into like shit, like absolution and then like there's some stuff later on where it's, they, they veer a little more like processed and electronic, which is still good, but it just doesn't really highlight the, the rhythm section quite as much, you know, when you're getting like shit, like absolution's, they're still able to play, you know, and you can hear them well, but you're getting more of that feeling of like the sound that they can produce when they're properly produced as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I have to, I have to spend more time with muse albums <laughs> to really talk more about music. I'm not just like, I don't know. Some, I just missed the boat on muse for some reason, somehow. I, I kind of did it first and then came, well, not really. I guess I got into absolution pretty hard. Like, uh, 2004 was when I was like really following music like really closely. That was like when I was towards the end of my undergrad. That was really kind of like the height of when I was following music really closely. So I caught on to that at least right away. And then some of their other stuff like I came to later on just because I was in fucking grad school and shit and like albums were coming out and I was just completely oblivious to what was going on musically. Fair. Yeah. No, I I think they, they got lost to me in like my, I started getting into metal in the, early mm-hmm. 2000s i was probably kind of i was like eh it's a, it's fine but it's not quite what i'm looking for right now what it was as i started to veer into mastodon and all that kind of shit yeah. but if you if you know a couple of muse tracks that's one i think feel like we could have a bunch of fucking fun playing together yeah well, no, i know i know two or three like i know absolution what's the other song off that record that i know i'd have to look it up i can't remember anymore and i probably have to relearn it because it's been ages since uh i was stuck in a band with anybody who had the 
<laughs> audacity to be a Muse fan <laughs> in my vicinity. Let me comment. Muse. I think at, at Absolution was, I think, in my top 10, if not top 15. I think I seem to remember you talking about it on that uh, on those episodes, but mm-hmm. it's been a long time. Oh, you know what the one I liked? That was it was Origin of Symmetry. I was looking, I'm trying to like what album yeah, was the one that I liked? Album too. I mean, yeah. all, I, I've liked all their albums to to some degree or another. I've got like I've you know most of them. I most of the tracks I kept I in my iTunes library. And... Is it Space Dementia that I like on Origin of Symmetry? Yeah, Space Dementia. We used to cover this. Oh, okay. Because it's I got a piano new, in newborn, it. Newborn's really good off uh, Origin of Symmetry, too. Yeah, because there's a piano in there, isn't there? Uh, there's piano on a lot of it, yeah. Um, but yeah. it's 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 got a really fucking sick bass riff, too. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I used to know that one. I could probably learn it again. I mean, I can still play Lateralis back to front, so it shouldn't be too, too hard to learn <laughs> this stuff. So there's that. Yeah, it's like, music is just one of those ones that just kind of like completely like flew past me, and I never got back to them. Well, I'll I'll force you to listen to some albums then when we can actually fucking get together. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So we'll force you to listen to some albums when we get together. <laughs> we'll go back and forth. So I'm just saying this one so I don't sound like a broken record and just default the Tool or Mastodon because Danny and Justin are like the answer to best rhythm section right now because <laughs> they're in Tool and that's the answer to this question. <laughs> but uh, I've done the research, I, I can tell you. And like Brandon Mastodon, He's a mastodon on the drums, but I'm ching, but I don't talk about my sugar. So we're going to talk about my sugar for a second because my sugar is awesome. So trigger warning. This is not like for the faint of anything. These guys, this is a fucking <laughs> metal band. Like my sugar is and like, like fucking dark ass metal, dark, like grimy, disgusting, yeah. like heavy, progressive metal. My sugar will pummel you into submission. <laughs> and it, it'll take you a second to lock in. But that's what I like about my sugar is like, they like their polyrhythms and they're doing off kilter time stuff. But when you lock in, like you're in, like it just works. Just clicks. Yeah, it just clicks. You got to get past that pure assault though. Like that's the big thing with sugar is some fucking shit's just heavy. <laughs> like it's like my kind of heavy, slow kind of grindy heavy, which I like a lot. But they're so tight. It's very mathy. Tomas on drums. And it's, uh, I love this guy's name. It's Dick Lovegren uh, is the bass player. <laughs> 2004 to present and then thomas uh i'm gonna mispronounce this it's tomas hawk it's h-a-a-k-e so i'm gonna go with that he plays drums on this uh and like they're just the best there's not a, like a readily available greatest hits uh but the this is Mashuga playlist on spotify will do a pretty good job of letting you know what level of paint peeling you're in for <laughs> The the num- they're the most popular song on there is Bleed, which is I think a pretty good introductory track if you're going to veer into something this heavy. I guess uh, I think it's catchy as shit, but it it fucking shreds and it can take a second to kind of lock. That's where I say like it can take a second to lock in. But if you can lock into what's going on with Bleed, whoo, that's some quality metal right there. <laughs> and all seven and a half minutes of it too, because they don't do the short shit. It's like this is progressive <laughs> stuff. You're getting there for the grind. But yeah, I have veered into metal a lot more as an adult. I think I've, I gave up on jazz and just went like, I'm going to go to progressive metal and that's my thing. And like, yeah, ever since it was tool and then Mastodon, I saw Meshuggah open for everybody. Basically. I think everybody <laughs> else is influenced by Meshuggah and then like brings them on tour. So I've seen them open for tool. Uh-huh, I saw them open for one of those yeah. bands that like can't ever make it with like the the mainstream of of that like genres fans, but like yeah. all of the actual bands are like, yeah, you guys are our fucking shit. 
Yeah, so they're they're that band. Like I've seen them. They, they've opened for System of a Down. They've opened for Slipknot. They've opened for like just fucking everybody, right? I think I've seen them open for like Deftones and Mastodon and stuff like that. They're just like they're they play constantly. They're always touring. So like I've been exposed to them a number of times, and like they always blow me away because that's the kind of band I like. Because I'm we're, I am a musician ish. I guess I'm a drummer. So like the bands that other that's bands, almost a musician. Yeah, it's almost Aww, a musician. drummer jokes. Just drummer jokes, man. I love them. Can bring them to me. <laughs> But no, like those are the bands that I like because like, you know, the bands that other musicians like, like the Queens of the Stone Age bands, you know what I mean? Like that everybody like that is in a band likes Yeah, that band. And that's Meshuggah in the metal scene. Everybody's always like, yeah, they're good. But like Meshuggah did it better. <laughs> yeah, it's true because Meshuggah did everything fucking better. Like <laughs> they're Meshuggah. So, yeah, I mean, if you can get past that, like attack, then good on you and welcome to Meshuggah Town. You, there's flavor in there. Have fun with it. <laughs> I would go recommend Clockworks and Rational Gaze on top of Bleed, just like three songs. That's about 25 minutes of your life. <laughs> so, because they're not short, but yeah, go there. If you like Bleed, you're a Meshuggah fan. I'm sorry. That's basically <laughs> with it. So, yeah, this is the kind of stuff like, yeah, Tim's got Muse he wants to put in front of me. And I'm like, hey, Tim, let's listen to fucking Gujira. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. I'll give anything a shot. Yeah, man. It's good times. I gotta take you to a show. That's what I gotta do. Is like I'm like the last time I the last show. I'm trying to remember what the last one I saw was. I think it was Gojira Mastodon. It was just like Oof. pure fucking assault. It was fantastic. <laughs> and you can still hear the next day. Oh, I, I bring plugs. You have to bring yeah. plugs. Like you have to bring <laughs> plugs to these shows now. Uh, Gojira. I don't know if I we'll, get to talk to them. Like because I don't, I don't want to be here forever talking about them. But like they are the loudest band in the world. The only band that uh, could make that claim is probably Motorhead. But Gojira apparently has like the official world record for loudest show ever in France because that's where they're from. They're a French, a French progressive metal band. But yeah, they're named after Godzilla. Like the original na- band name of the band was yeah, Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. And like, so they renamed themselves Gojira to like kind of skirt copyright stuff, and which is whatever. still Godzilla, just in like yeah. But you can't get dinged by Japanese. you're not going to get dinged by Tohei kind of thing for using yeah. Gojira versus because um, that's a Japanese word, I think, as opposed to Godzilla, which is like a trademarkable word for what they yeah, used yeah, it when yeah, they brought they it over here, the, kind of thing. In the West, yeah. So yeah, they can get away with that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also real heavy shit too. So there's a reason why they named their band that sometimes it sounds like fucking Godzilla. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So what's, uh, let's do a couple more. I got like one more, yeah, I got one more, more one more, like maybe I, straight, they, like a little bit more mainstream, like accessible <laughs> for you guys. I wonder if this is going to be the same one. <laughs> oh it's, no, it's, definitely it's, not. It's what we, uh, what sort of spurred, like what, when we were listening to our stream, when we both said like, yeah, it's one of the best rhythm sections of all time. Do you remember who that, who that was? Uh, I, I say that about a lot of guys. If it wasn't you two, then I don't know. Yeah, it was what, chili, what? chili peppers. Oh yeah, fuck the chili peppers. See, the problem <laughs> I have with the chili peppers is that the rhythm section is amazing, but the band sucks. <laughs> I don't mind Anthony Kiedis. Ah, uh, see, I don't like Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> but yeah, so chili, red hot chili peppers. The bassist is flea fucking flea everybody yeah. fucking knows uh and then uh chad smith has been their drummer basically like since the 90s on so it basically for like all of their best known shit chad smith yeah. has been the drummer yeah his uh his signature china is my current right hand china crash oh, yeah, on my nice. kit his 19 inch aerated <laughs> it's got holes in it for some reason uh china <laughs> crash is the one i'm using right now uh but it mean, sounds good 
Yeah, t- talk about a fucking rhythm section with the distinctive sound. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of, you know, there's, I. It, they might be the only or the best known fucking like world famous top tier fucking band that uses like slap bass as much as Flea does. Yeah. You know, oh, I can't I mean, think of very many other. Primus. Fucking, yeah. Well, pri- yeah, but Primus, I don't think you could, <laughs> you could not, you know, mention Red Chili no. Peppers and Primus in the same breath and like say, say well, you could say with a straight face that they were like similar tier in terms of fame. Oh, oh no 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 no! Not in terms of fame, in terms <laughs> Primus, of quality, Primus was on is on my long list. Like if we did another oh, yeah. episode on this, Primus would definitely be in there. Yeah, yeah. Like if if we ever get a chance, like at some point, we should just do like an episode on like fucking best drummers and like best bass players and shit like that. Because like fucking Les Claypool is out of this world insane. I mean, if you want to like get into the weeds of this shit that much, we can totally do those episodes because I'm on board. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll about, bring up I'll bring up Yako and shit like that, and I I'll, I mean I'll talk about. Danny Carey and fucking Brent Stallard <laughs> all um, but, the time. But I mean, Flea, Flea was like 100% the reason that I like quote unquote learned, AKA like pretty much taught myself to do like slap bass and like hammer ons. Uh, so I could play shit like halfway decent, like higher ground or around the world. And like the cover band that I played in, in high school. Yeah. I don't want to do my horn, but like I actually did used to be able to pull them off pretty well. It's one of those things that like, if you like, don't keep doing it you fucking lose it so i'd probably add up to practice it again because it's a fucking like tricky ass technique and you've got to have like crazy like muscle memory and skills and shit to do it and calluses too yeah yeah chet smith uh he's good but he's he's like he's very in the pocket he's not doing anything super fancy i like him like he's got good feel but he's not my favorite and they're they're again they're both good fucking they have great stage presence too both of them are like amazing performers like chili peppers put on a good fucking show regardless of what you think of their music right uh no they're terrible live but that's fair (laughs) really oh yeah they're they were fucking boring I've never seen them live I've only ever like seen like videos of them live right twice and I fell asleep at one of them wow (laughs) <laughs> yeah sorry sorry to, to, to burst that bubble i'm just not i'm not a huge chili peppers fan i know there's like people who are huge fucking chili peppers fans good for you i go with god <laughs> i just they were really boring live like just too many long solos and like yeah. i think it was like frusciante and Kitas when they had their little like relapsey period in the mm-hmm. mid-2000s Maybe. i think that was like kind of when i saw them fornication era kind of thing yeah it was it was right after Californication. it uh what was the one that was after that it was. I think it was that was the first time I saw. Uh, what was that? No, I did see Stadium, them on California. I saw them on back to back tours. I saw them on the the scar tissue tour, and then I saw them on that one back to back. And oh, California was, was ninety nine. By the way, yeah. it was two thousand two. Stadium okay. was two thousand six. So I saw the by the way, not Stadium Arcadium. Because by yeah, that I was, I, I was never big on them at that era. Like nineties, no. like nineties era Chili Peppers is my fucking chill Chili Peppers. Like Blood so Sugar Baby Sex, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, yeah, Blood Sugar yeah. Sex Magic was my fucking like that is the fucking Chili. Pe- and then One Hot Minute I liked as well. But yeah, by the time you get to like by the way, and, and even Californication I like. But by the time you get to by the way and Stadium Arcadium, yeah, Californications where they off. became like a they became like the big rock band version of chili peppers like they weren't mm. the funky kind of rebel band they were in the 90s yeah, yeah they became like to me they just became like budget pearl jam almost at that point <laughs> like it just became like another yeah. alternative rock band really kind of at that point and i was like this is fine like good for you but like he can't sing and <laughs> you know 
But yeah, like in the in the nineties, they were just like they were the only ones that really made it big with that more like funky kind of sound, which yeah. I was very much there for. Um, and Flea, Flea well, is you like, weren't a Fishbone fan. I mean, I was I was on board for Fishbone. <laughs> I said, really. actually Fishbone opened for them on one of the shows that I saw and blew them out of the water, which was a big <laughs> problem they had. Both times I saw Chili Peppers. I don't want to shit on the Chili Peppers too much because like they're like I love Blood Sugar Sex Magic as much as the next guy, but they had Fishbone open for them once blew them out of the fucking water it must have just been the era right yeah and then the next time they had stone temple pilots open for them and it was when scott whalen had kind of rejoined the band Mm. and scott whalen say what you will about stone temple pilots scott whalen is one of the best fucking front men i've ever seen in my life he had everybody that was in the amphitheater at that point he was like fuck this i don't like how empty it is down here i want all of you to rush down the stage fuck the security just rush them (laughs) and everybody did Right. So everybody like all of a sudden they had a mess of people like me who were supposed to be in the stands now in the pit <laughs> because Scott Whalen basically f- caused a stampede. Told everybody. To do it. Yeah. And told us to do it. And then he came out and climbed on top of us because he wanted to do a fucking rock and roll show. So he put on a rock and roll show for an hour. And then the Chili Peppers came out baked and just like <laughs> slowly jammed their way through a two hour set. Yeah, and I was I- like. What? I always think about like the uh, I always think about like their Woodstock uh like performances yeah, and shit like that. Where they're doing and, like, like crazy shit. Yeah, and those and those ones. Yeah, and then those ones to me always uh like that's what I think of when I think of like Chili Peppers live shows, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I know. I wish I could have seen them back then because it's just like a completely different energy yeah. level from what I saw. Because like I remember thinking, like, oh man, these like they're like known to be a crazy fucking live act. And then it was just like <laughs> <laughs> uh, for two hours, I couldn't believe. I was, I think I was just disappointed because I expected more energy. Yeah. And then both of their opening acts, for some reason, that's like one of those things you could talk about. Like, you ever been to a gig where like the opening act probably should have been the headliner? Oh yeah, like for sure. Well, I'm trying to think what was. Oh, whenever uh, Incubus tours with Deftones, now Incubus tends to headline, and I'm like, Oof. I like it. I like Incubus, but like energy level wise, like put the Deftones on second, well, guys. Like- <sighs> I mean, Incubus had like more mainstream success, but like, yes. can you think of many bands that have had less of a lasting impact? Like, nobody fucking talks about Incubus anymore. No, there's um, Deftones are still like inside like, that metal like, scene. Yeah, exactly. There's like six like fucking hardcore Incubus fans out there that fucking like my sister and my sister's one of them. Shit. Yeah, my sister's one of them, right? <laughs> and so she's but, like great. So we go to these shows because we get to see both of our favorite bands, kind of yeah. thing, and it works out really well. But it's just like, wh- why would you have Chino and the Deftones come out and do your opening gig? Because yeah. they're just gonna blow Inc- you out of the water. Incubus just hasn't aged well, right? It's one of those things. Yeah. One of those. They're bands good that, live. Like, if you go back, excellent and- live. But I mean, if you go back and listen to those songs, you can be like, holy shit, this, this is like so fucking like early 2000s dated. Some of it. At this yeah, point. some of it like, is dated, yeah, yeah. It really, sure. really has not aged well. So um, either way, I just, I, I think that's one of those, co- like what, a completely different topic of conversation that always gets yeah. me. But that's one of those ones where I'm like, every time, and it's always the same, it's always Deftones, then Incubus. And I'm always like, yeah. like Incubus is good, but like, mm-hmm. rocket skates guys, you know what I mean? It's just <laughs> like, what, what's the name? Brandon, whatever. It's just that dude's Brandon. fucking ego maybe sure. it could be um it could be i don't but know yeah like flea is one of those dudes one of the only dudes that can make that like really bright punchy bass sound really work for him a lot of the time when i hear that it just fucking annoys annoys me it doesn't work well yeah. um, like they do a lot of uh punk bassists do that and it just is like obnoxious but flea fucking makes that shit work and his solos are goddamn amazing the one that always blows me away is the like real fucking funky one at the end of aeroplane 
Yeah, yeah. Airplane just like I love that song. Yeah. Dave Navarro for the win, guys. Like you should have kept him around. <laughs> I, yeah. I like I like I mean they they did both good shit with Fruciani and with Navarro. I prefer I, say, I just I love that one that one hot minute because it was like his the only time he was in the band. Yeah. That's it's such like a shining moment in their discography because it's like oh Dave Navarro showed up and made them fun for an album <laughs> and then he left. And the fun it's like that was when the fun died in that band almost. You know what I mean? Like after blood sugar sex magic they did one hot minute and then it's like scar tissue and like everything got real dour and it's like well <laughs> now that you're just a dour alternative rock band you're not as much like you're not as entertaining i guess i don't know i have a like yeah. thing with the chili peppers or like i used to i love them when they were like a funk band and like putting yeah. socks on their cocks and shit like that was <laughs> no that i that, i agree that's definitely my era of fucking yeah. of, uh, of chili peppers and that when you get into like mopey heroin depressed fucking like scar tissue stuff i'm like eh, i heard there's already an allison chains guys yeah when when you know when anthony kiedis is on like fucking uh like antidepressants, antidepressants yeah, yeah. <laughs> instead of fucking heroin yeah it's like uh no all right either way <laughs> that's just personal opinion you know that's my thing so my last one was actually brought up by your stream also because you like you ignore them and they're the best band of this era. But like Interpol has just like the best rhythm section, especially the early you wanna, days. You, you want to talk fucking four on the floor. Oh, yeah, that's what it, that's what it's why it's good. man. And they, like you should appreciate it more because of Carlos, like their bass player. Like he's got some like this is this kind he's, of stuff he's got like, like an, a mass, like a crazy internal metronome. I'll say that. Yeah. For him. He is like, they're just in the pocket together that, that like drums and bass wise for Interpol. And that's what I like about them. And it's why I like, I used to go back to them all the time was just because they had like that, that dark joy division, like bass and drum kind of sound where like, mm-hmm. that was the center of all their songwriting was clearly just like, yeah. Post goth. Yeah. A little, yeah. Kind of post punk, post goth, post a little bit of everything. Yeah. Sitting right in that nice pocket, like with the white stripes and like the strokes and stuff like that doing that new york kind of mm-hmm. alternative thing yeah the st- oh yeah the strokes for sure yeah. i always laughed because i was that i always thought you could be like a fan of one or the other i'm sure there's people who are a fan of both but i was like <laughs> i always preferred interpol to the strokes because i like that dark spooky and like they come out in the four like the four piece suits and shit like that like with yeah. the you know and the I'm, whole bit i think that's pro- maybe like one of the best like summations of like our you dynamic yeah mm. it's like you're you're the interpol guy i'm the strokes like bright poppy hooky guy it's very true yeah like i like i like the dark grooves over on the the interpol side it's all just like slinky bass and like solid four on the floor drumming that sounds a little tricky like a little bit off time but not yeah. quite and it all sounds like it's going to fall apart at some point except the rhythm section's holding it together yeah that's more my kind of shit but uh, yeah <laughs> the four guys walking out in black suits with their hair slicked back and then doing like spooky kind of like doing their best craft work impressions, basically. Well, yeah, doing their best Joy Division impression, really. Yeah, like, too. yeah, doing that Joy Division stuff. That would be more me. Yeah, and I guess the strokes. Yeah, absolutely. Poppy, 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 poppy yep. hooks. Doing Pop hooks. Just, yeah, exactly. Can't sing over top of it. Good times. <laughs> Guy's got a terrible voice. <laughs> just, just awful voice. <laughs> Not that Paul Banks has got a great voice either, but you know, <laughs> either way. I always think, uh, I, I, um, that song, what is it? the strokes song that i like reptilia i always feel like reptilia yeah. is them them yeah. doing interpol 
I can see that. It's definitely got the like steady beat of an Interpol song. Yeah, it's got that Interpol like. And both of those songs are in uh, one of the guitar rock bands. rock bands. Yeah, it's rock band. I think it's in. Well, it's uh, like rock band four has everything in it now. But yeah. I think it was P- rock band PDA too. is like the like the fucking first song you play. Oh man, some it's so because straight. it's so it's, it's, it's so easy. Like, you have so to play straight. three notes on bass and just keep the beat. Yeah, oh, it's the same on the drums. It's four on the floor. It's just, it's fast though, and it's got a, like there's tricky yeah. fills in it too, which is why I like them. It's like because yes, a lot of it is very like straight four on the floor, but there's some shit in there where you're like, oh wait, that's tricky. Like that guy's actually really good back there. Like their drummer's uh, what's his fucking name? I had written it down. Sam Fogarino, who's still in the band apparently, although because like the the bass player that I liked, Carlos D, he left in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything after 2010, Interpol sucks now because Carlos <laughs> is gone. But I don't know. I, I went and saw Interpol a bunch of times and it was all based on just like, I love good rhythm sections. And these guys just like, if you want to talk about two guys who are like right on top of each other, like kick, like yeah. playing right to the kick, he's always right. On, they were always right on top of each other and it sounded awesome. Yeah. They're the dark spooky version of, you know, all those hipster bands from the mid two thousands. So that was obviously going to be the one that I was the most into. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Interpol. I would go basically turn on the bright lights. It's their first album uh, from 2002 has most of their best work on it. PDA yep. we've been talking about. Um, Roland is another one off there. That's fucking dynamite. And it's basically just like, uh, like a fucking grenade. And then it pulses along for the whole time. Slow hands on antics and Heinrich maneuver on our love to admire are also excellent. And my personal favorite by them, not really a great drum and bass song, but just like a good groove overall. No, I and threesome is a fucking fantastic song. So there you go. Well, that's about it. That's all I had on my list. I wanted to like talk at some point. I have to do like Canadian ones and just be like, I'm Mother Earth. Big shows. Yes. Yeah. See, until what's his name died. I don't yeah. know how they, how they would sound without. Uh, oh, shit. I can never remember his name. I can't remember his name either. The bass yeah, player from the, Big Sugar was fucking the, dynamite. The Jamaican dude. Yeah. Like that guy's bass tone made 90% oh, of those so songs good. listenable. Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah so this has been like the most self-indulgent fucking episode of dance robot dance we've ever done <laughs> just because it's like tim and i who are a bass player and a drummer i know i'm talking sure, about our favorite bass players and drummers i'm sure our historians can probably find a more self-indulgent album but this is up there for sure oh absolutely yeah like what else could we, what else could we, like what have i not brought up that we'd normally bring up in music episodes you you've already brought up Sloan. I was gonna say did Tim bring up Sloan. Yeah. yeah I haven't brought up Pearl Jam. Matt Cameron, Matt Cameron, Matt Cameron, Soundgarden, Matt Cameron. There you go. I brought them up. It's done. Yeah. I haven't so. brought up Vampire Weekend, but they were on my long list too. Oh yeah, and I didn't bring up Rage Against the Machine, who are also on my list. My, they were on my list too. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I should like. I should like. Uh, no doubt and Primus and Pixies on my long. I list had no and, doubt on there too. Oh, yeah. Fucking Tony Kamal's amazing. Fucking yeah. Basis. He, I would, had he would be too. on my on my uh, like you know favorite bass player uh, list for sure. Fair, yeah. I uh, what else did I have in here? Oh, I always have Tea Party just because Burroughs is a fucking. I figured you would. <laughs> yeah, I always. I'm always gonna say them. Like, well, they're just the best fucking live band. You've seen them live now. You can't argue yeah. with me too much about no. it. They're fucking. I'm pretty sure I'd seen them live before that. Uh, oh, I'm sure. I, I hey, come on, man. They play at everybody's fucking backyards for half the summer. <laughs> like they're everywhere all summer. Usually, like, well, they used to be anyway. That's why I've seen them like forty times because like they fucking played everywhere. <laughs> everywhere everywhere yeah anyway geek cred time i'm just gonna go right out a- ahead of this and say fucking just watch invincible because robert kirkman is just doing the lord's work with that cartoon so get in there and enjoy it 
Fantastic. My geek card for this week will be, it's a weird one, uh, but it's a, a movie from 2012 called, it's like an indie movie called The Comedy. And uh, it uh, stars Tim Heidecker from Tim and Eric. And that was the reason that I had originally downloaded it. Cause I like went on a binge at one point. I was just like, I need to have like, give me more Tim and Eric. I just want everything they've ever fucking done because it's awkward and creepy and fucking like really makes you feel weird in a funny way. And I love that shit. Uh, but I watched it. Yeah. Because I'd heard that Tim and also uh, Eric Wareheim is also in this, but he plays like his boarding rule uh, that they were in a movie that was like supposed to be serious and I was like, well, that fucking intrigues me. And I watched it and I was like, actually impressed. I won't say it's non-narrative, but it doesn't really have like much of a narrative. It's basically just this like New York hipster that Tim Heidecker plays that's used to like living off his parents' money, but like the well's running dry kind of thing. And so he's having to like get a job and shit. And so it's like him, like live, he lives on a boat. He's fucking like hanging out with his ironic, like super sarcastic hipster friends and just getting like fucking wasted and high, like every night of the week. And like, treating like normal people like shit. Like he goes into bars and just like fucking gives bartenders a hard time and like gives cab drivers a shitty time and shit like that. And like, we've all fucking encountered those people and know what fucking garbage people they are. And so it was a pretty solid indictment of that culture. And like, you know, these people that feel like they're really like cultured and fucking, you know, living fucking bohemian lifestyles or whatever, but how actually totally fucking vapid, they are in the end. So it was, it was a good, like, you know, 90 minute watch that was, it felt, it had like a kid's vibe in terms of sort of the shooting style, not, not in terms of content, but like in terms oh, of oh, kids is in like that, uh, the like faux documentary, yeah the faux whatever. documentary thing from yeah. like 2004 or whatever. Yeah. That the harmony, the harmony Corinne made. No, that was like nineties, 94 or whatever. whatever. Yeah. Either way. Uh, yeah. That thing. Okay. I'm never watching this then. I hate Tim and Eric and I fucking, I, I could never watch kids again. So, uh, it's one of those ones that I end up like champ. forcing myself to watch like once every 10 years, just cause I feel like it's an important movie, even though it's, it's tough to fucking watch. Yeah. I've seen it. I don't need to watch it again. So thank you. <laughs> All right. Well now that, skeeved me out so that's good they're watching that uh thank you everybody for listening this has been episode 245 of episode oh, fuck our podcast is called dance robot dance mark <laughs> are you having trouble remembering the name of our podcast that we've done yeah, 240 DRD. something times i wrote drd and i was like what the fuck does that even mean it doesn't make any fucking sense to me at all so this we has been both, episode we both got pandemic brain folks oh god oh i'm so like I'm past like pandemic burnout. That was, mm-hmm. I was at pandemic burnout when I had to move back to St. Catharines. Like now I'm just like, they're locking us down for the ninth time. I'm just, I'm like, I'm, I'm basically at emotional shutdown. I'm just like, Hey, uh, I'm going to get so high that I don't remember my name. And if I die, then <laughs> just give everybody my stuff. I don't care anymore. Yeah. For like the first six months I was, I, I was like preoccupied. I had like the move and, and shit and to sort of keep, yeah, me, yeah. keep me, occupied and keep my mind going and now i'm just like getting into that fucking really monotonous like this is never going to end bullshit oh, yeah, and watching see. watching all my fucking american friends get vaccinated and fucking start okay. traveling and shit like that and i'm just like fuck so you're you're at the point now that i was at when i had to move back to st Catharines, probably <sighs> where, where like yeah i get it i got gotcha. you anyways 
Uh, yeah, so this has been episode 245 of Dance Robot Dance. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You can do that from any podcatching app via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you have any thoughts about anything we talked about, like, honestly, I don't. I just want to know what you guys think is your favorite rhythm section. Yeah. Let me know. Let us know. We probably, we, we definitely missed some good ones. Put it in the comments. No, we didn't. We, must, we got all the best ones. <laughs> but, like, they might have a couple other good suggestions, so it's fine. Put them in the comments below, down there on the Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com. So I like how you're pointing podcast. down, even though nobody's watching. Nobody can see. It's a visual bit. <laughs> the, the podcast is, was founded on visual bits. Yeah. <laughs> Christie's Christie's yeah. presence is still felt. I'm making up for Christy having disappeared and not speaking to us anymore. So there you go. We love you, Christy. Welcome back on anytime. <laughs> awkward silence. I like doing the awkward silence now because now she's gonna message us. She'll hear this and message us now. This is be good. She doesn't fucking listen to this. I know she doesn't listen to the podcast. It doesn't matter. So yeah, uh, hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. We're on Twitter uh at DRD underscore podcast, or you can send us an email at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. Uh I'm Mark. I've been here giving you terrible ideas. Uh you can follow me on Instagram at mt underscore willette or by a print blackringgallery.com. Commissions are also open. I've been here with Tim. Bye, folks. I guess we'll talk to you next week. Oh, man. Superman we- returns. We're going to have a special guest again, probably. Hopefully. You should Mark, him tonight. Hey, Mark, what do you call a drummer that doesn't have a girlfriend? A drummer. Homeless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> it, night, all of those jokes work for bass players, too. <laughs> if you're not the fucking like lead guitarist or the fucking lead singer you're just nothing yep yep <laughs> you get the cast offs you get to you start a podcast <laughs> with a drummer uh, that hurts <laughs> or with a bass player <laughs> with a bass player <laughs> close to home I'm gonna go get high have a good night everybody <laughs>